Hey, so before we get started, I wanted to talk to you guys about Disney Plus. Now, I know by now you've probably heard about Disney Plus, the new streaming service that includes Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic. With all these amazing brands in one place, Disney Plus has one of the most incredible libraries in the entire streaming landscape, and it's all ad-free. From classics like Snow White to today's blockbusters like Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame, the content on Disney Plus is truly unparalleled. And if all that isn't enough, Disney Plus even has originals like The Mandalorian, the first live-action Star Wars series. So don't miss out. Go and sign up today and start streaming and tell them Hayes sent you. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Awaken Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Hayes. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, make sure you're following us at Awaken Soul Pod or at The Awaken Soul Pod. You can also follow me personally at CEO Hayes, at CEO H-A-I-Z-E. We've got a great show planned for you guys this week. I have uh, director Brandy Webb in the building, um, and we're going to be talking about her film betrayal of a nation which puts america on trial it's a really interesting concept we actually had her on the podcast about two years ago when she was getting the film together and raising funding for it so it's good that it all comes around full circle and now uh, we actually get to talk about the release of the film had her on actually the day before the film released last friday so it's it's just a great time to um to talk about film and like to keep that theme of film going we'll also be talking about film a little bit in the mind of hay segment um so we got some great stuff planned for you guys before we get into any of all that you know this is where i like to get what's going on around so um heads up for anyone who um is interested in the film side of what i do personally my company legacy visions I actually started a youtube page for it. that is going to be a place where our short films release but outside of just the short films released in there i'm actually going to start doing some like tutorials with like filmmaking recording video stuff and so one of the first things i'm going to be doing is talking about the my first year i uh, really taking film seriously and with my professional camera um and i also have like a couple surprises so be on the lookout for that that's uh legacy visions that is going to be only youtube content so it's not going to be like a podcast side of things i just feel like with talking about video you can't really turn like i know people do like they have podcasts to talk about like filming techniques and stuff like that but i i really want to show it so that's going to be and it's not going to be a consistent not it's never going to be a weekly release um so you know maybe bi-weekly but it's going to be just some of the things that i can but it's definitely going to be a place where i um where i just release and drop you know some of the things that i've learned with film i know it, it videos more and more uh creatives are getting into video so since i have gotten into it taken it uh seriously and like turned it into an income uh maker for me i figured why not allow and have those resources for people so be on the lookout for that but that's enough of the prefacing we're gonna go ahead we're gonna take a break when we come back we're gonna be into my dark and twisted crazy ass mind during the end of mine hey segment but first we got to get into our intro music i'll see you guys right after this the following is a breaks media podcast you are now listening to the best podcast in the world the awakened soul hosted by my dad Best podcast in the world. The 
All right, ladies and gentlemen. So <laughs> I'm I'm back, and there, it's been really an interesting time with like film and TV. Like we are getting more black stories, black creatives, black writers, everything um, nowadays. And and you know, as that ramps up, that also ramps up some of the critique. It ramps up some of the conversation. It ramps up some of like old things being brought back. Shout out to nostalgia with coming to america uh the sequel which is coming to america it, it's the naming convention that they chose is really weird so while i'm not going to get into a full review of that film i will get into my thoughts of it but no spoilers i'm not going to spoil anything with the story so you don't have to worry about that you don't have to worry about skipping through if you haven't got to see it yet if you're one of those people who uh don't like hearing any type of spoilers before they see something um but it, so the first thing that i want to talk about and that is kind of my thoughts leaving from the film like <laughs> I was somebody who, before Dolomite is my name came out, I just thought it was going to be shitty, right? And I was so happy to be proven wrong. Dolomite is my name is probably one of the better performances of Eddie Murphy, and the fact that they brought that story to life and that they did did it so well, um, and it was funny. It was a little bit of everything. You you really got a lot out of that film. You know, Eddie Murphy I think has a deal with Netflix or working on more stuff. Uh, this coming to America is not part of that because it released on Amazon. And Coming to America uh, was originally created, I think, is it Paramount? I believe it's Paramount. Don't get me wrong. They So they paid for the film, uh, made it, completed it, had it edited. And then once they watched it, they decided to sell it off to, to Amazon. And this isn't one of those things to where it only went to streaming because of the pandemic. This got sold because they didn't believe in the quality of the film or that they could make as much money as they needed to to break even. And I really... I could see that in seeing this movie, right? They probably got more out of selling it to Amazon for what they did than what they would have gotten with box office for a couple of things, not just because of the quality or not of the film, but because of also the pandemic as well. I think looking at all those things, because they could have easily waited till afterwards, but I think even if this would have released outside of the pandemic, that it probably wouldn't have gotten um, as much box office as it needed to to break even. All right, so that's my thoughts with that, right? Um, so uh, the film itself, Coming to America, what this, the best thing that I can say about this for me is that it was a great nostalgia trip in just the fact of wanting to see these characters again. Seeing the, the seeing like where they were, how everything developed, uh, the fact that like, Akeem still wasn't king. He was he was still the prince. And, you know, seeing James Earl Jones, who we don't get to see in, in many of any films anymore, Oh, it was great. It was great to jump back into that world. Um, and we got everyone. We got McDowell. We just about everyone except Samuel Jackson or anyone who is no longer with us on this earth made a appearance in this movie again. And it was it, and like I said, from that point, it was it was a fun trip. Um, but for me, the movie wasn't great. Now it wasn't horrible. You will hear some people completely rag on this movie and say it was horrible. I think maybe I probably would have been harsher on it had I seen it in the movie theater and had to pay to see it. Um, but because it was part of my Amazon Prime subscription, you know, it was a cool watch. It was a solid watch. I I, I would probably watch it again. Just if I'm like around the house cleaning up or just kind of bored, I'd probably watch Coming to America. And then maybe the next day, if it's a slow weekend, say, you know what, fuck it. Let me watch the sequel. Um, But where I want to go with this, and that's kind of it on my thoughts with it. Like I said, without getting into spoilers, the film itself, it's a fun nostalgia trip. Someone on Twitter, and I couldn't remember exactly who it was, and I apologize if they're listening to this and I'm not giving them their credit but said that it felt it was a good reunion piece, right? From the reunion aspect of seeing all these characters come together. And from that, it was, it was good. Like when you, if, if it was like a 30 minute special and we just got to like catch up with these characters, pro it 
probably wouldn't be as harsh on it. But as a narrative film, there are some things in it that I don't think worked as well for me. Uh, some things that weren't just homage to the original, but really trying to retell the story kind of the original, but not as well. Like retelling the story is fine. You know, people say that um, uh, The Force Awakens is basically a remake of, of episode uh, four, A New Hope which I still push back on that. But even if that was like, I enjoy that story for what it was from dust. One of my favorite star Wars, star Wars films. So I don't dislike it just because they re redid some of the same themes or because they redid uh, parts of the story. My main issue is just the quality of it. it. Just, it felt like a grab. Like it felt like the hook of, of the writers here were, okay, we got these characters back. We got everyone back on board. And then after that, it was kind of like, all right, well, we did this in the last one. Let's do this here. How can we remix this scene here? And it didn't feel like it's enough of its own thing for me to where I say that it's a good film. It's not a horrible film. It's not a good film either. It's kind of somewhere in between that for me. An okay film, I guess, if, if, if we got to put titles to it. But this is what I want to talk about. And this is something that I feel it hurts our community. And I get why we're like this. Um, So with a lot of people not liking this movie and having backlash on it. You hear a lot of things that like people specifically, I'm in a filmmakers uh, Facebook group. And one of the comments in that group was if we don't support this film, it's the crap. It's, it's, it's comparable to the crab in the bucket mentality. And so this bothers me a little bit. And again, I want to know how you guys feel about it. Remember the awakened soul is the start of the conversation. It's not me just saying I have all the answers. It's just me sharing my thoughts and where I am on it currently. So for me, <laughs> when people say things like that, or because it's somebody, it's an actor that's universally loved pretty much in the community or whatever else, and they get critiques thrown their way and people are basically told to shut up. <laughs> My issue with that is, is that for so long with black film, black TV, black whatever, I feel that Hollywood thought that they can cast a popular black actor, comedian, whatever, um, sometimes hire a black director, but even not or a black writer but cast a, a popular black actor, and then that's going to automatically be their end for the black community. The black community is going to eat it up. They're going to get the black dollar off of it, and they can keep it pushing. I think now what we're seeing the rise of black creators um, and black content and everything like that, we have to be able to critique it. We have to be able to talk about it the same way we talk about any other movies. And when we say or we feel like we have to support something just because it's black without critiquing it, again, keep in mind, had this movie come out in theaters, I would have paid to go see it either way. But to act like we can't call out when things should be better. And again, this is this is this conversation is outside of just coming to America, too. So the, I'm not wanting to focus. This is the, the that was the launching part into this conversation, but not just what it's focused on. I'm not saying everyone should hate. I'm not saying everyone should love coming to America. The point that I'm making here is that when with more of our stories being told, if we can't be honest, if we can't call out, if we can't talk about the quality of it and hold it to the standards that we feel that we need. And, and that's not to say that some people don't just hate on shit. That, that's not to say that. But I'm speaking specifically in the area of critiquing. We're, we're getting more and more content thrown at us. A lot, like I said, from black creatives and some of the companies who just want to be on the right side of, of history or the story that's being told. And me and me and Brandy Webb get into that into our conversation you hear later on in the show as well. But if we can't be honest and have that conversation, that's going to be part of the bigger issue going forward. We have to demand. We have to talk. We have to support things that are good, support things that are quality, not just blindly. I, You know me. And this is something that I've gotten backlash from before is because I'm not someone who I believe anything should be blindly supported just because it, it may I, 
align with with us racially. We have to be able to really truly critique and have these conversations. That's the thing. That's one of the things that the awakened soul is built upon is the ability to have conversations with people that you don't necessarily agree with, but realize that you don't have to agree to understand. You don't have to, we don't, we're not a monolith. We don't all have to have the same perspective on things. And we shouldn't shun those, just shun people just because they have the different perspective. That's where the conversation should start. That's where we should break down and talk about it and and embrace each other and being able to have that conversation, especially on things that are our art. And if we can't have that, to me, that's problematic. That's just as problematic as the crab in the bucket mentality that so many of us have had to see and deal with and X, Y, Z and all that stuff. So I just want us to do better, right? That's all that when it's said and done, that's all that I want is that I want us to be able to have the conversations productively. And whether we agree or we or we, or we agree or, or whatever on the quality of a project, let's have that conversation. Let's have like we or the whole point of these social media apps is to interact. And if we just are only interacting with the people that only agree with us, or we, or we shun or have a, a vitriol about anything that's not aligning with what we what we think in in the, in the sense of art i'm not saying follow people who have completely different life ideals than you but i'm saying in our art in the things that are supposed to be for us we should be able to be have those conversations amongst us and then not turn heated i it, it sucks to see for me and i and i get it sometimes i make things deeper than what they need to be we all know this that's part of what the awakened soul is built upon i can't even deny that i do that i know that i do that right um but it's one it's a sucky thing to see a movie release that people have been some people have been asking for uh, for years of want or wonder wanting or wondering what a coming to America sequel would be. Um, some after they announced we're really looking forward to it. And then it to turn to uh, uh, an argument over it instead of a discussion like the world is watching this at this point. Right. Black culture at this point is one of the biggest money makers in every aspect. Are we talking about marketing or we talking about music or we talking about film are we talking about tv like so we have to embrace and talk about the be able to openly talk about the quality of those things so that while they're making more and more projects they know how to make it better and that's just my opinion on it um like i said i know i can get overly deep on some of this stuff and some of these topics but that's just what was truly on my mind that's what's been on my mind that's what's been on my heart um since i've seen the conversation go and coming to america drop like i said it's it, it's we have the film frequency discussion group uh, the Film Frequency Podcast, we're actually beginning to a full review for it. So check that out if you want to hear a full review on Coming to America. And uh, for example, there, me and JB have opposite opinions on the quality of this film. So it'll be interesting to hear that conversation and us and let's talk about it. So um, but that's it. That's what I wanted to start off this show with. It's just a good discussion on us being able to critique things within our own culture and not shun things away that are just i'm sure you've heard it from me before but it was on my mind again so i had to talk about it so we're gonna go ahead we're gonna take a brief break we'll come back on the other side of that it's gonna be me and director brandy webb talking about her film betrayal of a nation i'll see you guys there being a mom is probably the most rewarding thing that i've ever done i have my own company but i'm a mom first a young urban mom, it's not an experience like any other. When you're young, you're growing with your kid. You're growing into that identity. Developing and creating a community of moms that are basically sharing information with one another so that we could be stronger moms. Perfect imperfection, beautiful chaos, doing the best you can every day, falling down nine times but getting up ten. As long as you are led by love, you kind of can't lose. 
moms coming together to share information so that we can be great parents for our, our children. Us being the change we wanted to see in the world. Yum came into existence. What's going on, Awaken Soul listeners? So we have a returning guest. Director Brandy Webb is in the building to update us on her film, Betrayal of a Nation. As I said at the top of the show, you may remember that we had Brandy Webb on before, and she was uh, gaining funding for this film. So this is kind of a full circle interview. We're going to go ahead. We're going to turn it over to Brandy. Brandy, what was it like working on this film for you? For me, when it came to doing a documentary, I just automatically was like, oh, I want some scripted parts in it too. I was like, oh. so it just came, it came really naturally for me. <laughs> okay. Um, so I just really wanted to incorporate those. And then I, I, I love art all around. And so I wanted to throw poetry in it. And I was like, I want dancers. I want everything. And I had to scale it back a little bit, you know, but there, there is still a little bit, you know, we have a little bit of poetry in there um, that works really well. And so, yeah, um, I also had another movie idea, which um, hasn't been fully developed yet, which I still plan to work on. And this idea, this concept came way before Betrayal of a Nation was even thought of. And that idea was also the scripted element with some documentary components to it. And so I think when I decided to do Betrayal of a Nation, that idea was already there. So it was like, okay, I'm gonna put it in this documentary. It's gonna be a movie-mentary, I called it at the time. Okay. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and so let's, I, wanted, I wanted to bring up something. So you had a six-part series. And so, and the thing is with that, it was like, I look at it as like complimentary to the film, but also it was powerful based on like having powerful conversations within our culture. What made you decide to do that? Like in the midst of waiting on your film to be distributed and everything, what made you decide to do that six part series? Well, um, I had timed it out because I knew that there was six weeks to the release of the film. Um, And so the way that I split it up was I wanted to actually cover topics that were covered in the documentary. Hmm. Um, and because, you know, it's a two-hour film, you can't discuss everything. Absolutely. So I wanted to tackle things and ask and ask experts questions um, that, you know, you, you don't necessarily hear about in the documentary. And so that's where the idea came from. And I, you know, it would just, you know, we wanted to build an audience and have people understand that, you know, these topics are are really important especially if we're if we want to be progressive as a people and as a nation and so it was just a way to give the audience a little taste of of what was to come in the documentary okay okay that's perfect it's and perfect way to do it and execute it i love i love the thinking and the thought out plan there um so what's what's next well i know you said you have you had a project in mind that was before betrayal of a nation um I, I I would imagine you're gonna take some time to kind of just take in the response to this after it gets released. But like, how quickly do you expect to get back to work on the next thing that's coming? Okay. So when I say that that working on Betrayal of a Nation was a four year journey, mm-hmm. 
that is not an understatement. I literally, I would wake up and I'll be on a computer like this, editing. And then I'll go and get something to eat. Sometimes I would forget to eat, you know? Um, and then I'm back on a computer or I'm back on the camera. Like, I literally, I, I ate, slept, breathed this documentary. I didn't have much of a social life. Um, for the most part, I sacrificed a lot because I felt like if I could be hanging out, I could be getting this film done. <laughs> you know, a lot of people are counting on me to complete this this project. And so, so for me, I, I, I do want a vacation. <laughs> um, <laughs> even if that vacation just means staying at home for a few weeks and just doing nothing. Mm. Uh, and I have to really teach myself how to do nothing. It's, it's not easy to do. And so I am eager about future projects, future endeavors. And I speak with my co-producer, Trina. She was on the show with me last time. We did this in 2018. And um, we have a book of ideas um, with projects that we actually plan to pitch to uh, some networks. Okay. And so working on that and getting our pitch deck together and all that. And we actually have a YouTube channel that we're going to be launching soon, um, catered to, to the independent filmmaker. Um, and so that's what's next. And, and I think I told her, I said, like, listen, I said, let's just try to take a two week break when all this calms down before we get back <laughs> up and going. Yeah. And she was like, you know what? That that sounds pretty good. So hopefully two weeks is enough of a break, but um, that's what's in store. <laughs> okay, two weeks. That's that's. I, I understand that. I uh, I I think I've told you like when we started talking back. Like I've gotten into filmmaking. I actually released my first short film. It actually won a a, a film festival for short films, which is just blew my mind. But like, so I Congrats. I. It's crazy, and uh, so I, I I never knew that I had like the last time we did this. I don't even think my podcast was video at that point. I bought a, I bought a, my first camera literally just to do promos for my podcast, and I just fell in love with it. And I started like researching and doing all this stuff, um, and now I'm working with a writer on on the next short film. But it, it I know with that that release after having after releasing my first one, I don't know if it was a mix between excitement worry concerned of how people were going to take it but like my body shut down on me for like two days like i literally couldn't do i couldn't leave the house i could not and so i can only imagine doing it on this scale and like you preparing to launch something for indie filmmakers could be huge especially at a time um where you know we see it. our stories are being told more we got we get a lot of people getting first look deals whether it's you know donald glover just got his first look deal with amazon you said uh avra and uh shonda rhimes got their deals over in netflix do you feel like mm -hmm. with the rise of these bigger platforms wanting to tell our stories, do you see the interest in black stories also rising from non non blacks? Because that that's the question. Do you see it rising there? Go go ahead. So I will say this, okay? Okay. Uh, because you know, once uh, George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor, um, once their stories were in the forefront. And people started to galvanize and come together and, and started protesting all across the nation um, and on a global level as well. Uh, you notice these companies started to now include like a Black Lives Matter type of content. Like there's a, a Black Lives section on Netflix and Amazon. And I think who, like all of them have adapted that. Mm -hmm. And um, so they're grouping all the black content for people, for folks to watch and, and educate themselves. 
And I had two thoughts about it. At first, I was just like, okay, this is interesting. Let's see how this goes. Um, because I, I, I had to question uh, whether or not it was genuine, yeah. whether it was like you just want to be on the right side of history because you want to be on a dollar side. You know, you want to get those dollars, those, you know, black dollars matter. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> or... You know, so I wondered if it was that or if they genuinely just wanted to just be on the right side of history because they genuinely cared about the plight of African-Americans. And I have to say this from my own experience. Um, I did, uh, as far as distribution companies, I did shop uh, this film to a particular distribution company, which has that section that has the the Black Lives content uh, section. Mm -hmm. And I was told that the film was considered offensive. And so, um, and this is after the Capitol riots happened on January 6th. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was told that it could not be on there. And now I have another project that's actually currently on this platform. Um, But this one, I was told it's, it's, uh, it doesn't meet their criteria because it's offensive content. And I wrote them back and I said, well, what's offensive about it? Because, uh, you know, I went down their list. I'm like, there's no nudity. There's no beheading. Uh, so, like, what is what is offensive about this? And they just responded back by sending me yet another link that I could click on that will direct me to what they consider offensive content. And, um, yeah. And so all I could do is speculate and say, okay, is it because I'm putting America on trial and the riots just happened and they don't want people to you know, start getting any ideas? Yeah. Or but it made me feel like these are the gatekeepers for black content. When you have a piece that is really educational and, and all I'm doing is telling history as it is. Mm-hmm. I'm telling history and connecting the government. Okay. And, and, and this is, research that I've done. Um, there's nothing fabricated about it. So it's no defamation there. I'm just saying this is what our government has done. This is our history. That's, that's American history. And so, so it was just interesting to me, the fact that they could take something like this and say, okay, we can't have this content on our platform. And it made me wonder, okay, well, the things that are on your platform. So is, is does it have to, does it have to be molded to your concept of what black content should be? Mm, yeah. Right. Not letting black people tell their black stories. You're censoring how much of the story they actually tell in order to have it on your platform. And that to me is just, is just whack. Yeah. The thing, the thing for me, and while it was, it was a great documentary, I don't know if you've seen it, but it, it's, it's don't fuck with cats. It's on Netflix. Right. And so when I when I see it, it was this guy, he, he murdered a, a cat live on the Internet. And when I saw the way that people got upset at a animal being murdered on TV and like they 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 made a whole documentary. There was like this whole group, Facebook group that was put together to find this guy. And it's like when there's a cat being told on what on, on the way that we can tell our stories and that we can't tell it from certain perspectives and calling certain shit out. But yet we have that type of thing, that type of content out there. It's really upsetting to me because it's like, why can't we why why do our stories have to be told with these lenses that make it easily acceptable to other people and other races? Why can't we just tell our stories and then let the chips fall where they may? Right. Absolutely. So absolutely. it's 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 wild and it's crazy. And it's, it, it's, it's always going to be upsetting because it, it's 
and I and I and I get when if somebody makes something that is clearly just made to entice. But the last four years of stuff that we've had, it's just like, why can't we why can't we tell our stories? Why? What, what's wrong with putting America on trial? If we if after the last four years, people don't see that America probably needs to be put on trial, then you just you just don't want to see it like that. That's that's the only thing that I can right. I can take from it. Right. It's that you don't want to see it and you don't you don't want the masses to see it because mm-hmm. you, you don't want to spark ideas. You don't mm-hmm. want to spark conflict and ideas which makes me think okay do you do you want to uphold white supremacy is that what it is because what can what what's the worst that can happen from people watching this that are non non-black mm-hmm. right okay um they get an education maybe they'll have some empathy you know maybe you know they'll join the movement for um black li- for black and brown liberation right and so why not show it why not have it on on your platform? Yeah, you think people are going to be offended by it, but who like who's going to be offended by it other than what uh, the Trump supporters that audience, yeah. <laughs> you know? And if that's the case, they'll be offended by anything that that's black content. So I mean, you know, let us let us have our stories and and don't gatekeep. And you know, it's easier for me I could say it, but that's what they're doing. And um, I think that it's really important for us as a community to to have our own platforms. So then that way we can be our own gatekeepers and we can make sure that the stories that need to get through, get through. And that we really have these important black educational stories told because if we leave it up to other people that aren't African-American, I'm sorry to say that they, they don't, they don't understand our plight to the extent that you know to the extent that we have you know been been harmed you know and so i feel like you can't really expect them to at the same time because you know they they only know the life that they live and when you live that non-black life it's easy to just disregard and dismiss us and dismissing our stories is is dismissing us at large I couldn't have said that any better myself. And that's just the sad reality of being African-American in this country. Um, just honestly, and it, it sucks that that's, that that's our reality, but that's what it is. Um, something that you mentioned earlier that I want to kind of pick up on. Um, you, you Well, you you talked about, we both talked about the, you know, the rise in wanting to tell black stories, people wanting to be on the right side of history. Um, do you think that, there's ever going to be a platform that's created by black people to to have the outlet for streaming. We live in a time now where creatives are probably the most empowered that they can as far as getting their message out and what they create out. Um, was there ever a time, twofold question, I guess, was there ever a time that you thought when you're having those distribution problems of, okay, I'll just release it on like YouTube or, or a platform like that where I can control it, maybe get revenue that way. Was there ever that time period where you briefly thought about that or was distribution the way that you went oh, kind of always the goal? So um, I'm at that point now. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean by that is, um, so YouTube even has some censorship going on. Definitely. I've heard about that. Yeah. And so, so even to put it on YouTube was like, okay, if I put it on, it could just easily be removed. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and so I did find a platform. So it's actually on the Vimeo platform, okay. which came independent filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was my way of saying, you know what, I'm no longer going to wait for major distribution companies to, you know, to pick it up. 
because they may never pick it up. Who knows? Maybe this film is, is too raw for them, yeah. you know? And I look at this as the hidden colors of this generation, you know? And yeah. we know, if you know about the hidden yeah. colors grind, yeah. they didn't have commercial advertisement. They didn't have commercial funding, none of that. They had a grassroots campaign. It was word of mouth and they were pushing DVDs. This is during the DVD era. They were pushing DVDs and I feel like almost every black household had them <laughs> had the colors DVD yeah. to the point where they had it at the collector's item, you know, because now they have part one, part two, three. I think they're up to five now. Oh, wow. And and so, yeah, I look at it like that to say that if you are, you know, a person of color, if you're African-American, then this is something that you would want to watch. This is something that you would, uh, you know, want to have in your home. Right now, it's available for rent. Um, in the future, I look forward to, to having it on DVDs for sale. But right now, just available for rent. But this is something that I feel like everybody must see. I Like, I see people talking about it and... Like we're putting America on trial. Yeah. That's big because we 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 don't get accountability in real life. And so I feel like at least let let us have it in a, in a film, and then maybe that'll spark ideas. And you know maybe it'll it'll make people feel like you know what if enough people talk about this and say we really need to do this, we really need to to, to take steps towards putting America on trial. Who knows what could happen? Or maybe. Well, what happened is we'll just all come together and say, you know what? This system was designed to oppress us from the very beginning. And true. we'll say, you know what? Let's do away with the system. Let's do something else. Let's figure it out and figure out what that something else is. But this right here, it ain't working for us. True words have not been spoken. Uh, <laughs> that's period. What? What? So when you originally, the concept of this originally started four years ago. Over the course of that time, We've had basically two summers and a pandemic. And even during that, we've we got black people, black men being completely attacked, black women uh, being attacked and shot unjustly. That's not even to mention the the black trans women who are attacked and murdered as well at a, at a disproportionate rate. Um, and so the, the awareness of this stuff is at an all time high. At any point in, in making this and after the completion, did you get to include everything that you wanted to include? How, how did that adjustment go like during it? Because where you where we were as a country when you started this idea to where we are now has gone through so many changes and awareness and pos positive changes that I'm sure that that creative gene got like, OK, well, now we can add this. What do, what do you think? Uh, well, <laughs> I got to tell you, when I first started, I actually wanted to cover everything. And it was to the point where I couldn't keep up because, you know, under the Trump administration, every time you turn around, it was something new and bizarre happening. You know, whether it was, you know, his immigration policies, uh, you know, healthcare, everything. And so when I first started the documentary, um, you know, I had my, my concepts and my, my topics and things that I wanted to cover. And um, as I started pursuing those interviews to, to cover these things, things started changing up quickly, you know? And, and then I felt like I, like I had to keep going back and changing things in the documentary. And I even, we did a couple of interviews because things had changed. Okay. So 
And so as, you know, time progressed, it got to the point where I realized this documentary will, may never be completed if I don't nip it in the bud and, and just, you know, decide on exactly what's going to be in it. But if I keep trying to change things to be up to date and to be, you know, to be current and up to date, it'll, it'll never be finished. And so what I ended up doing was... Um, a lot of a lot of sections uh, ended up not making the final cut. Okay. And I had a, uh, I had sections on education, healthcare, uh, immigration, uh, all those things did did not make the cut. And and you know and I and I decided I said you know what for everything that didn't make the cut I can um, I can have a series and add those things in because truthfully everything could really be its own episode. Yeah. Every single topic, yeah. you know, you could have several seasons of the injustices that we have faced at the hands of, of the government, you know, and, and it could live on. And so I had to just, I just had to say, okay, what are the things that are the most prominent that, that we should discuss and charge America with for now? And that's when, you know, I decided to tackle, okay, you got to start with the land, slavery, right, into Jim Crow. Like, you can't ignore those things. You cannot not acknowledge that. Yeah. Uh, I felt like it was important to talk about Black Wall Street because that was a time where we had our own, you know? And I want people to know this. Like, we we were doing great. We had our own. We built our own from scratch, yeah. you know? And then, you know, things happened. And people will say, okay, uh, you had the angry white nearby coming and, you know, uh, starting this, this riot, but people don't know the aspects, which aspects of the government, how the government played its part into this as well. And so I felt like it was important to highlight that I wanted to talk about the Tuskegee experiment because that is, I feel like a lot of us to this day, we do not trust doctors. Yeah. And when you think about where we're at today, you know, black women, um, we suffer the most when it comes to, you know, getting health care, proper health care. And now you have this uh, this this COVID thing going. You have this COVID vaccine that's out. And a lot of us are skeptical about that as well, because historically we don't we don't have um, good references when it comes to the government um, dealing with our health care. Yeah. You know, and, and so I felt like it was really important to talk about uh, the Tuskegee experiment and to understand how much the government involved themselves into, you know, this study to make sure that, you know, to, to make sure that these black men were left untreated. And this was all for science. This was all for to make sure that they could do their study so that way they can keep their their people, you know, Caucasians healthy and, and understand how the body works, but they use us as guinea pigs. Yeah. Unethical. And so and then of course the execution of our civil rights leaders. Like you can't not acknowledge that. Yeah. And so I wanted to talk about that, especially everybody's talking about um Judas and a Messiah yeah. right now. And you know, we we talked about about the Fred about Fred Hampton's execution as well as Martin Luther King and Malcolm X's um, execution, and um, and now we just heard about Malcolm X that the um, that uh, the officer uh, Ray Woods, who was an undercover officer, um, on his deathbed he wrote a letter basically saying that the FBI was involved. 
but we knew the FBI was involved already. Yeah. So this only was, I guess, affirmed it for mainstream media, but we all knew. And, you know, I covered that in the documentary. And so these things I thought were important. And then to talk about the current state and explore reparations. And so, you know, these, I, I feel like I chose, I'm really happy with the, with the sections that made the cut. I feel like um, the documentary, the completed piece, is what it was supposed to be. It, it's what it was meant to be, you know? And so I'm, I'm really happy with that. Yeah. And as a creative, that's the thing that, that if you can execute your vision and you feel like, you know, cause we, you never get a hundred percent of what you want, but if that vision is maintained, that's what, right. that's what, where the passion comes from. That's where the joy comes from of just seeing that vision maintained. And I love how you use and call the words what they are the Black Wall Street massacre, because the Tulsa riots doesn't cut it. It was no riot. That was a massacre. The execution of our leaders, because so often you hear, oh, when they died, when they lost their lives. No, let's call it what it was. They were murdered, murdered, taken from this this planet unnaturally very early. So I I can't wait for people to see this. I can't wait for people to see this. Yes, I'm excited. I'm excited to share. I'm excited to um, hear everyone's thoughts. Uh, we're even doing a um, like a talk back meet and greet where okay. people get to join a Zoom on Sunday at 4.30 and um, they just RSVP via the Eventbrite link, but they join Zoom and um, this is after they've watched the film on their own and they can just all come in a room and just tell us what they thought, ask questions, give comments. Uh, they could bring a drink and, you know, we'll just be there just, just talking about it. Yeah, so cool. I'm excited to hear what people have to say. Absolutely. <laughs> this is going to be one that gets people talking. I really do feel that. Well, Miss Webb, so any if you had to uh, one to two sentence pitch for anyone who's listening to this who wasn't ready. If you, hey, if they listen to this interview and you're not ready to go listen to this, you just need to wake up. But for anyone who needs anything else before we go, go ahead and, get, and give them the pitch so we so they can uh, know why they need to check out Betrayal of a Nation. Well, Betrayal of a Nation is a documentary that puts the United States government on trial for its crimes committed against black and brown citizens. We have indicted the government on 18 charges. Uh, if you are an African-American or someone that sympathizes with the, with the African-American plight and struggle, this is something that you need to watch. Um, it's an educational piece. It not only covers the history up to the current day, but it shows you how the government is linked in every stage of history to the demise of African-Americans as well as other brown people. And so Betrayal of a Nation is something that will definitely educate, inspire, and also motivate. It'll motivate you to, to figure out where we go as a people. What is your role in this movement? Because we all have a role when it comes to the movement for black liberation. Mine is a filmmaker, uplifting stories. Others may be musicians for the movement, but everybody has a role, but not everybody understands what their role is. A lot of people have ideas and they're not sure how to take their idea and put it into fruition. And I think when you watch Betrayal of a Nation, it'll help to further your your, um, expanding of ideas and, and figuring out how to get it executed. So I think if you're looking to be educated and if you're looking for inspiration and motivation, I would definitely check out Betrayal of a Nation. Well, there you have it. 
that you guys need to check it out. We need to keep this conversation going and share it so that this can blow up because it needs to be blown up. Ms. Webb, I want to thank you for your time. Give them your social thank media. You. Uh, so they can go ahead and reach out to you after they hear this. Yeah, you can check out Betrayal of a Nation um, on IG. It's at Betrayal of a Nation. Same thing on Facebook, Betrayal of a Nation. Uh, you can rent the film uh, for just $17 at Betrayalofanation.com. It's that simple. And if you want to hit me up and slide up in my DMs, uh, my IG is I am Brandy Webb, as spelled, I am Brandy Webb, Brandy with an I, Webb with two Bs. And, uh, and uh, thank you. I really enjoyed this interview. Um, it's great to be back, especially I'm hearing that you're, you just reached your 200th episode. Yeah. And uh, I was there early on. So, you know, it's great to, to come back full circle. Definitely, definitely. We have to do this again, like just... Like at some point we just need to come on and just have a great conversation so i'm gonna invite you back just to have a conversation not just when you when you got something to release just so we can just talk and and catch up and i'll pick a, a great topic for us to dig into i'm down all right <laughs> <Just let> me... <laughs> <laughs> everybody you guys know where you can follow me you can follow me at ceo hayes that's ceo h-a-i-z-e you can follow us collectively at the bird i'm sorry at uh the awaken soul pod that's at the Awaken Soul Pod, and you can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns. The the Awaken Soul Pod at gmail.com. We are the number one podcast for the culture, and we're out. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Breaks, Breaks Media. Media.